calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking with Virginia Heffernan, journalist and host of the podcast, This is Critical. So grab your Brookings data. And let's get civical. Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Wallentowski. And today we have a yummy, yummy treat for all of you. We have a special guest. It's our first special guest of 2022. (laughs) So exciting. So exciting. Please, we're welcoming to the show Virginia Heffernan, and she is the host of a new podcast called This is Critical. Welcome, Virginia. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you guys. I'm your first guest of 2022. That's very exciting. I know. It's nice. It's, I mean, it's been what? A a quiet year so far. Not much going on. Just kidding. (laughs) It's It's the snow, though. It's giving it a kind of hushed feeling temporarily right. hushed yeah it's giving us like a, an air of oh actually no it's quiet stay inside yeah. there's it's nothing not, to see out there yeah. there's lots to binge watch we're gonna stay inside yeah. no big deal no big deal exactly yep. and you get to say the word nor'easter why nor'easter there's no th- in nor'easter no yeah there's not there's an apostrophe in the middle of it which i think is quite sexy I do, I, so yeah i do feel that it brings a kind of what is like what do you think that is like a 19th century like n- just a 19th century vibe or maybe it's like a semen yeah. right. you know like it could be you know we always get our stuff from the sea <laughs> from the navy <laughs> it does feel like our version of you know when buildings that were built in yesteryear have the the v's instead of u's 
because they oh, couldn't yes. do, you know, it's like our version of that. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, can you imagine like if someone just was like, we have a big Northeaster, you would be like, are you, were you born in this country? Maybe about yeah. learning the language. Nor'easter makes it sound like medieval almost. It makes yes, it sound otherworldly. It. It's like, yes. hey, this is something we actually don't, we can't control. We don't know much about. Right. It's mystical. Right. There's no AI around nor- there's, Nor'easter. There's, there's not. not. There's, there's not. not. It's Mother the- Earth generated. <laughs> for the longest time I thought when I, well, when I first heard it, I was like, is it related to Catholicism I don't really understand <laughs> I grew up Catholic I'm like what is this storm God is coming I didn't yes. I wasn't prepared God is coming let that be a lesson to all revelations 22 18 God is coming 22 2022 revelations <laughs> yep. that's 2020 dot dot 22 exactly right Easter. exactly right yep. oh my but God. Virginia, we are obviously so excited to have you on the show, and we know that you have an amazing podcast that is truly dealing out some heavy hitter episodes. With some great guests. Great guests. Great guests. It's been good. It's been really good. I'm surprised people, I'm surprised people will come, because this show just started. Right. And, you know, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like one of the Ivermectin Ivans you know, I'm not Joe Rogan, who's just and you thank know, God. three hours a day and, and whatever. So like, yeah, I did have this other podcast, Trump cast, mm-hmm. which was about the former president and people ca- came to it for the name Donald Trump, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you come to it to like, just, just throw tomatoes at him. But this one is a little, it's every show is different. And it's gra- It's really grounded in like, in critical theory, which as you know, Ooh is really having a heyday right now. People sure like to, is. People are burning our books that inspire the show, put it that way. But awesome. we've had some really crazy guests and shows that have opened my mind anyway. Yeah. In some cases, it feels like actually blown it. Like my skull feels brain blown at the end of some of the shows. Yeah. Those are the best. I would love to hear first about your your episode on the insurrection mm, yeah. and, and what that was like and who you had and just hearing their stories, you know, what kind of impact that had on you. Yeah. So we had um that was a we had three guests on that show and I wanted to talk about trauma. So it's a weekly show, you know, notionally on culture, but culture and politics intersect so often. And I had remembered that AOC, I don't know if you all remember this, I think it was like an Instagram reel, maybe, or a TikTok, Mm. but um, AOC did a selfie video that was a long one about being in the Capitol on that day. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but she was also, she talked about sexual trauma and trauma having compounded itself for her. And there was just something like beautiful as usual about her capacity to weave these things together and make sense of how this was a also a personal day you know Mm, yeah and I'm I I don't know what generations mean honestly but you know she's let's just say she's younger than I am (laughs) we're not gonna name any years and she has the facility of younger women that you guys probably have of owning trauma and realizing that like her resiliency is predicated on recognizing trauma. So, you know, I was sort of thinking about her in relation to say Mike Pence, (laughs) who, you know, man, if he was a friend of mine, 
if he was a friend of mine, just leave out everything else. He's just a friend of mine, grew up with him, Mike Pence, love him, Indiana boy. Hey, Mike, how was your January 6th? I would be like, can we maybe slow down since the guy you were complete smithers to, you know, your Montgomery Burns, mm-hmm. sold you out so hard that they brought a guillotine for you. Yeah. And you heard the words and like, we've all been through a lot. AOC's been through a lot. I don't think any one of us, anyone I can think of, you know, in any realm has heard people who are supposed to be aligned with him and his office yelling those three words, hang Mike Pence. Yeah. So I started to think, I just want to talk to someone who's heard hang Mike Pence when he was doing his baseline constitutional duty. Right. And he had served his president, not just well, but slavishly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that must be agony. You know, I can't, I just can't, it's just like no brain can metabolize that level of betrayal and pain. Right. But there was AOC and, you know, his generation or his his conservatives probably see him exposing strength by not complaining about it. But what AOC in that video was suggest that like, that is not strength. Right. That is compounds your mental illness and you will never lead an expansive beautiful activist life if you just let that you know fester so anyway poor Mike Pence um so I wanted to have on people that could talk about that day and trauma and would talk honestly toward it and not just tee up you know criticism of the response or not just still be stuck in the trauma so much that they wouldn't be able to talk about it. And so I thought of two Congress people who I think of are, you know, as some of the most um, emotionally and intellectually kind of flexible and inventive and imaginative and evolved and integrated people. And they are representative Jamie Raskin, Mm -hmm. who had, as you may remember, he had his son had died by suicide and he had buried his son the day before. Yeah. So he, he died the week before. So he woke up the day after he had buried his son, you know, had been originally catatonic and then just simply unable to get a breath for crying. And he went in to the Capitol. And the first thing he saw was a memo from Mike Pence and Mike Pence in that memo said he was going to do the right thing basically. And so that was an enormous moment of relief for him. Then the other beautiful thing he says in his book, Unthinkable, is that um, he was kind of resurrected or healed. I did not see this coming by Nancy Pelosi saying she wanted him to run the impeachment. Yeah. And she said, you have to do this. And he just said with, uh, I don't know what he said. It's like with ingenious sensitivity she knew that's what he had to do right and you know comforting the grieving is really hard it's hard yeah you know and and just something speaks once again to that extraordinary person that we are like lucky to share the our our country with who's nancy pelosi like how does someone become nancy pelosi um decades of you know somebody's experience yes and, you know, I know we're going to get to harassment later, but when yeah. I was on a panel with Adam Schiff once and I talked to him a little oh. bit about death threats and harassment. And um, he said the first time he got a death threat, he um, said to the speaker, said to said to Nancy Pelosi, um, what 
do I do about this? I got a death threat. And she said, welcome to the club, right. Adam. Right. It was like, what do you think my public life has been? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, so Nancy Pelosi as, as, and I, that was the first time I cried many times reading the book, but for mm. some reason I was like, that's what you do. You give, you help give someone purpose, right. right? You know, if they're suffering, that's always what's worked for me. And so I hoped that uh, Representative Jeffries and Raskin would, you know, see the opportunity to be on the show as, as like a, a way to talk about their experience and then talk about the future of the country. And both of them were so um, surprising. So awesome. I think that Raskin's story is told so beautifully in his book, Unthinkable, that I don't, I kind of don't want to wreck it for listeners because it's such a subtle story that he has. Absolutely. But, you know, his son, Tommy was very politically active and very, really interesting philosopher mm. type. So he had this very kind of intellectual relationship with his son, which he describes and which definitely inflected his, um, his decisions about what to do after. Um, but Jeffries, who hadn't written so much about his story, described um, a really amazing. So he grew up, he's not my representative in Brooklyn, but he's what he might be yours, Lizzie. Um, Is he? I just like, moved. So actually, I have to double check. <laughs> Okay. Well, he, he, I hope he is because I, I wish he were mine. It was Yvette he's, Clark. He's, okay. Which I, I think it, oh, it might still be Yvette. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check with my new uh, congressional lines. <laughs> your new zip code. Your right. New, yeah. right. Um, so he, um, but he grew up, I believe he said in Flatbush, which is, uh, you know, I think in his era was, he said was pretty dangerous. Yeah. And he had some moments he said on the street um, where he felt really imperiled physically. Mm. And that was, you know, if AOC was reminded of this other assault, he was reminded of that level of fear. Right. And for him, he works next to a former NFL player, um, was next to a former NFL player, whose name I'm forgetting, um, who's also in Congress. And that guy said to him, I'm ready to fight. Are you? And you know that's not my instinct. It was not mine either. Raskin's instinct. Yeah. Right. I, I never. I, I never go to let up. me get my fists out. <laughs> I just. No. <laughs> I don't. I go. <laughs> also, if I'm gonna fight, it, it there's no way. I will do every cause and disservice. I would rather if I try to right. make a fist. I would rather engage in a battle of wits. I do not want to. <laughs> oh, please! I know. <laughs> I don't want to. This like... would be like want to go and wordle. Yeah. Guys? <gasps> Any cute, cute shaman? Want to do pop trivia? I've got you. Got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got you. I've got you, you, uh, you insurrectionist. Yes. So he, he rolled up his sleeve. He took off his jacket and rolled up his sleeves, as did this NFL guy. And he clearly, like, was thinking instantly toward muscle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we have to think about how primitive the responses were. Yeah. yeah. You know, AOC was calling on this other trauma. He was calling on another trauma. Raskin was calling on another trauma. They were like in full fight or flight, you know, freeze, fawn, you know, this fawn reflex, you know, like be really nice to everyone. Right, right. Um, and, um, and so all of them were just at their most core lizard brain. And that was amazing to hear. And then the thing that I found especially moving that really conjured how afraid he was, was he took off his tie mm. for fear of being strangled yeah. with it. Like a first instinct. Yeah. And, you know, you've, you've, you know, if you're a, if you're a 
NFL player, you're a whatever, mm -hmm. you have a set of responses. And I don't think any of us really knows what ours are until you get there. But, you know, he thought he was going to die or go down fighting yeah. or whatever. And um, then he, they were shuffled into a room. And then he also to told a really beautiful story about he and Liz Cheney were the ranking um, members of Congress in the room when they went into this room mm -hmm. that was bipartisan and that was they'd been shuffled into by, by security. And they instantly, some of everybody's favorite Trump dead-ender right-wingers, you know, kind of Jim Jordan, you know, click, yeah. was standing in the corner. I'll leave it to you to guess if they were wearing masks. <laughs> they were not wearing masks. Sure, of course. During an insurrection in a small room with their colleagues. Like, it just blows the mind. Yeah. But not only that, they were doing selfie video reports with Fox News. Yeah. Wow. Like giving away their position, their place, giving away whatever. So it's like Liz Cheney and Hakeem Jeffries end up playing like high school teacher, not even. Right. Just like, yeah. can you guys put on your masks? No. They stand in the corner. I mean, it's just like, there's no way we have ever had like such weird juvenile delinquents. Yes. And I'm emphasizing juvenile, like they are 12 years old. Yeah. Right. Jim Jordan with his leaves rolled up in his little punky, you know, yeah. I'm a wrestler. And nobody's, anyway, they two, those adults, Jeffries and Cheney, came together and like, it's just amazing how much they kept intact, you know, the rules of Congress. That's so amazing. it was like, yeah. And I, I actually love that because in a way it's just like proceduralism and mm -hmm. bureaucracy won the day. Right. Like by the end of the day, yeah. right? Yeah. You're just like, we're going to do our freaking paperwork right, right. that's her right. it's that's two in the morning we're gonna right. dot yeah. our i's and cross our t's right we're gonna dot our i's and cross our t's and that's what they were doing in that room too and so cheney said you know i want my caucus to to, to jeffries i want my caucus to stop giving these interviews to fox news can we present a united front and he said absolutely so they did Good. and they had mask rules and they had whatever and people you know took direction from them mostly i think they didn't even have masks to put on but you know, just what, I mean, you know, it's like, we're, you hardly ever live in a time where you know there are going to be 12 biopics and movies and, right. you know, memorials right. and like where the, where the, 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 the capital was damaged, you know, it'll be like, you know, on a civil war damage to buildings, like they'll show you what the museum plaque where all this happened. Right. Or, um, if the Republic survives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just that room, I mean, I don't know. I'm not even a theater person, but I was like, this would be a great one act play. This is going to be a great play. <laughs> like, single, oh oh, single room. Right. You're like, yeah. What are those theaters? Black box. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm casting Hakeem Jeffries in my head. Yeah, you know, I'm just yeah. like, he's a good looking guy. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it was just an amazing story. There. And, you know, their, 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 their experiences fueled them, which I think is also true of AOC and didn't break them. And also, you know, I've read a little bit, I'm sure you have too, about trauma, but one thing that um, really helps with traumas, major and minor, is completed action. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like p you hold on in your head to, I'm just talking about major tra uh, trauma at all, but you hold on in your head to like, um, ah, I should have, uh, you know, I should have, well, the one that I'm remembering the story of is like, I should have completed or connected that punch you know, and like your body is still wanting to do that thing. Right. And 
they, and so sometimes they'll have trauma victims complete whatever it was they didn't complete, mm. you know, like in a car, like finish the turn or stop early or whatever, right. if they've been in a car accident. So anyway, they completed their action. So at least when they certified the vote, they were just like, you tried to stop us and we're done. And I cannot believe that day existed in history. It's really, and we just, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. Right. So that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that after all of the events of that day, they still came back and completed the work that they were there to do. And that just, I think, is a testament to, I mean, we did an episode the other day on the gold standard. Um, oh. And we were talking about just how crazy it is that now, you know, money doesn't, it, it's our collective belief that like I hand you, Virginia, a yeah. dollar and you believe it's a dollar. And our yeah. basic system of currency is based on belief that we all have mm -hmm. any given person mm -hmm. on the street agree that this thing is worth the same thing as the other person yeah and and january 6th and and how our institution stood up and all of that it could have fallen i mean it could have fallen if we were a different country yeah. if we had different yeah. standards different organizations different you know alignments of things but the fact that you know at the end of the day, everybody went back and said, this is our job. We're going to keep doing our job says yeah. a lot and says a lot about those people and their belief in the institutions and how they carry forward. And often the way that they carry forward is not in these grandiose, we're going to do big things, but just the yeah. minutia of the day to day. Is yeah. It's is like the, 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 Iwo, the Iwo Jima of it yeah. or something was like, <laughs> whatever is on the paper saying we certify the vote, you know, in these states or whatever. And it, yeah, just sort of like, yes, yeah, it's, it's like a, yeah, it's sort of a not all heroes wear, wear capes, but it's also, you know, like this country was supposed to replace with kind of procedural as peaceful proceduralism and certain symbolic acts, all kinds of things that had been done by force and violence and in, in the past. And, you know, we've done, we've seen all that stuff challenged. I'm so glad you brought up the dollar and, and, you know, the, the trust pact because, um, and we didn't even, I mean, you know, it takes some trust to have Dogecoin also. That's true. Like, <laughs> the crazy land. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we've seen so many things destabilized. So that was uh, incredible that the day was stabilized at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, one more word for, for, you know, our representative Nancy Pelosi, she totally, you know, she really was like, oh, we are going back. Yeah. You know, yeah. where you're going to finish. This. Um, so anyway, I yeah. found that I found that really moving. And it was it was hard, especially with with Raskin, even though he's so brilliant. And so it was, you know, it was like I had to I really stay with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you all know this, like interviewing. Interestingly, I just read the account by the journalist that interviewed uh, Prince Andrew in that terrible interview where he was talking about Epstein yeah. and he's like, Oh, I know the know, one like, right. And she was talking about preparing to go into it. And, you know, when you're preparing for some like attacks and some bobbing and weaving and stuff, that's one thing. And then when you're preparing to talk to someone who's suffered a whole lot and you, you know, you don't want to exploit it. Right. You don't want to go too far. Right. You want them to say what they need to say. Um, so that was, it was like, it was a privilege to be kind of present to that with him. Yeah. I hope that doesn't sound too, too, too sentimental. No, um, no I mean, I yeah, think it's, it was, it's, you hit the nail on the head, you know, it's yeah. navigating these, these fears as curious, you know, 
journalistic types, it's always difficult when you know the person across from you that their trauma is is an integral part of their story. I mean, it's an integral part of his story on the sixth and then thereafter, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think everybody has a huge amount of respect for him. I mean, I just remember like when he was, um, when he did his opening remarks for, or his opening thing for the, for the impeachment trial and then Trump's, you know, defense, defense team did theirs. And everybody was just like, Oh my God, Jamie Raskin did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> shoot, we're gonna... yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't expect yes. him to come out this good. Blazing. Oh my Lord! Yeah, it did make it did make me think also that you know a huge amount of leadership, and I, this is, all comes from watching that AOC video. Yeah, a huge amount of leadership is being in, able to integrate and emotional well-being and, you know, goodness as a person, integrity, being able to make your emotional life and your intellectual life talk to each other and not, you know, I was thinking like, I, you know, maybe I just, I, I've like, when I've tried to bring up like poor Mike Pence, people on Twitter are just like, ha no, he sucks. But like, you know, just the hang Mike Pence thing. And if he could ever say, you know, like, honestly, I feel like the world would change if he could say, I really lost faith in this, like this, I, this, I had taken a lot of abuse and then this thing happened right? and it almost broke me. Right. And I recognized the importance of, you know, even like conservative values or right. God or whatever it has to be. But, you know, he could have turned on Trump at that moment, but his trauma is too too impossible for him to articulate so he moves to or like the way jim jordan like moves to mm. aggression yeah. toward other people over and over again and it's not just like oh that makes him a bad jerky person that you know no one would want to hang out with it's more like it just um blows up yeah. the humanity right. in our government right you know so that you're like i don't even know what you're talking about right now right you know, when they go back to like saying, oh, they were tourists or whatever, right. they fell off a ledge after January 6th. Like you are now no longer have any claim to apprehending reality or perceiving objects in front of your own face. Yeah, right. Right. And I think your point about being able to meld emotional life and intellectual life as a leader in general, but especially as a leader in politics is so A, important, but B, I think what people really want and respond to, like, that's why people really loved Obama. Like he was able to do the things and to connect in a way that didn't feel forced. It felt natural and it felt natural to him, his own person and his past. And, you know, like that's what I feel like, like, those are the amazing leaders, you know, on either side, you know, either Republican or or Democrat, the amazing leaders are the ones who are able to say, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to connect because I'm in a vulnerable moment and I know you are too. And so I'm going to sing amazing grace, you know, like those moments are huge leadership moments and, and being able to be vulnerable as a leader, I think is like one of the most like, you know, top three, top five things that a leader needs, but often the thing that is the most overlooked because I think, especially for men, and women too, but in a different way, probably. But I think especially for men or like yeah. vulnerability, I don't do that. You know, just like your stereotypical yeah. dude who might, you know, 56 year old guy who might be in politics might not think that that's yeah. like a thing that he 
can access, knows how to access, wants to access, right? you know. I mean, I don't know why, why could someone like George W. Bush kind of do it? I mean, I feel like there was something a little broken about him in strange ways where he at least like revealed, you just didn't think that he was an android or like, you know, just like a knock him, sock him robot behind whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, not to ever, no, no, give him any credit, but, but, you know, they're just, it's the surreal quality of the QAnon crowd or the far right crowd, just the uncanny. It's like the uncanny valley. Like you just want to be like, what are you talking about, Matt Gates? Like you are a mother's son. You are like a human with a heart that's beating. Let's slow down. Let's stop just defending people and defending yourself and attacking. Attack, attack, attack. And like just have a cup of cocoa and take a breath yeah and then you know tell us what do you like a flower have you ever seen do a you like a flower <laughs> you know, have you ever right? Matt, What's your do you pasta? like a flower like, let's start easy yes <laughs> exactly like do you have affection for cotton you know or like do you like the touch of you know silk like anything, <laughs> anything literally anything. anything that makes you a warm-blooded human and then maybe we can start from there yeah sunset moon anything so yeah we're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors here's a quick question for you how did you sleep last night if your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless i have the answer It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This conversation is really like, you know, the insurrection and and what what's happening thereafter and really what's been going on in our country for a while and, and the consequences of media you know that ties in a lot to obviously what happened with the insurrection and and i know what's happened to you personally you know the consequences of of media and i'm i'm curious to just hear your take because i feel as though we're in a world now where there are i mean media is so much bigger than it was but it blew up so quickly and the consequences became so dire so fast i mean we're talking about death threats we're talking about insurrections we're talking about things that we weren't talking about 10 Mm -hmm. years ago 
in a real way. Yeah, I mean, right. maybe you would get something in the mail and it would be ominous and somebody cut out magazine letters and what is this powder? <laughs> like, yes, that was all, certainly always a bit a part of it. Yeah. What is this powder? What is this powder? It's very nice. You know, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on is media a force for good or is it a force for evil or both yeah. in the political realm? Whether that be, you know, obviously news, TV, written, etc. Sounds like you're referring a little bit to the Brookings um, yes. study yes. of some ab- ab- uh, online abuse that uh, Taylor Lorenz um, at the New York Times got and I got around the same time because... So in her case, she was targeted by two prominent male entertainers, influencers, Glenn Greenwald and Tucker Carlson, who have dubious claims now to being journalists, but they're trolls, they're whatever they are. They have some followers. And I was targeted around the same time by just Tucker Carlson, although Glenn Greenwald took some shots on Twitter, but um, Tucker Carlson did. And, you know, he had a really... He, he stopped doing this because it seems near pretty close to being actionable, but this is after January 6th. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had just started to think about what incitement to violence was, right? you know, what things Trump said that incited violence. And I guess he was still in a, this is the role of a leader that's like, you know, wanting to, what's it called? Unleash the Kraken? Like oh, yeah. wanting to just have an army. Yeah that is release the Kraken. Right. And he, um, so he had this for a while. He would open his show and Taylor and I were part of this with a picture, especially like a really young looking, vulnerable looking picture. Taylor noticed this too, that like he really looked far for photographs of us that where we looked kind of like sweet and young. Like I think mine might've been like, you know, 15 years old. Oh my God. So he's not trying for like, ugly pictures he's trying to look for vulnerable pictures Mm. and then you know basically saying like what an idiot this person is like why can't liberals do anything for themselves they're dumb they're privileged they're whatever and he piled on to and then when taylor lentz talked about how bad the response had been and how difficult it had been for her then he took another shot at her for exaggerating her suffering or whatever so nice guy yeah so it, and and so he did it to me once, and she she did get it worse than I did. And you know that's not that's actually now we have data to show that she did. So this isn't right. I'm not this isn't oppression Olympics. I'm really just talking about the numbers. This was a year ago. Probably if you've gotten and I'm sure you have gotten like flack in on social media or on whatever, mm-hmm. usually people express condolences and they say what since we're among women they say what i like least which is women just have it so hard online mm-hmm. right which to me feels like on the one hand yes on the other hand there's a little bit of distancing that's just like eh, i you get your period and men mm. rape you and like that sucks and i'm not you right we, instead of seeing it as like this has a freezing effect on speech everywhere yes and right and also like i can I know that you would have a hard time if you got like threats of sexualized violence, but I get it all the time. So like, let's just, you know, it's like Nancy Pelosi saying to Adam Schiff, I was saying before the show, Schiff came to her and said, I got, uh, you know, I got my first, first death threats. What do I do? And she just said, welcome to the club. 
you know, there's, you have to have a thick skin mm -hmm. and if we've had a thick skin for so long, so long, like, it's just like, yes, you couldn't handle a guy whistling at you on the street. And you know, it's like every single hour of every single summer day for art, you know? Yep. And so I don't like the condolences. I mean, friends standing like in solidarity and like, oh, that happened to me, you know, six months ago, but somehow I really get so like, I feel really isolated when everyone's like, looking at me like I'm like the unclean thing right. or worse yeah. sidling into saying well what was the article that provoked it oh. you know where you're like what were you wearing? wearing like yeah it's a that's it exactly that's it. what neighborhood were you in why were you there mm -hmm. alone why would you say that were you drinking right. like, were you drinking <laughs> yes exactly or maybe you shouldn't have made that joke right so I went so okay so I'll tell you about my personal experience, but I also, because this is the more recent thing, Brookings did me the greatest favor. I, I, and I, I don't know if Taylor feels as much as I do. They didn't call me, they didn't do anything. But a year after this happened, they created a graph of the amount of like flack I was getting online and they characterize it by key keywords, I guess, that tell you if it's identity based, you know, which I think is like, you know, discrimination, hate, hate, hate language, hate speech, sexualized threats of violence, and then something called toxicity. I don't know quite how that's measured, but you know, <laughs> and you know, my chart went through, you know, it was like this and then Tucker Carlson's thing. And then it goes up 62% of like, you know, troll, flames and the hate speech and whatever. And uh, Taylor's went up 110%. So, you know, I lost to her, but you know, she's more prominent. I have to give it up for Taylor, Taylor Lawrence. But I was so satisfied because, oh my God, seeing numbers yeah. where you're like, kind of like, you know, if you don't have a diagnosis for something and you're like, I ah, forget it. I can't ever explain that this is happening. And then someone's like, your thyroid is elevated beyond all whatever. Of course you were feeling horrible for that period. Right. And you just are like done, yep. you know? And, and also seeing it as a graph meant not seeing the language again, you know, cause the language was all about the article. It was all about supposedly me it was all about sexual violence and like, I just didn't want to read it again. No. But this chart I could look at. And one thing I was kind of laughing with Taylor about is so there's the line in the middle of the chart where, where Tucker Carlson does his thing, but there's also before it, just like in a normal sunny day, you know, like before Tucker Carlson, it's still not it's still great, no good. You know? You're right. still getting hate. Like, there's still hate. Yeah. There's still, it's just yeah, less. There's still hate. Yeah. Just a regular hate day, hate it's day. It's a mild hate. Day. hate. Whoa, that's a bad right. hate day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, you know, I wasn't doing that bad before, but yeah, it was a, it was a banner month for me <laughs> that, that year. Um, but it really does tee up like these are, you know, these are related to domestic terrorism. Mm -hmm. They're the kinds of, and they're freezing, there's free speech freezing campaigns, you know, in the extreme. And they're like, target one of us, you target all of us. Like yep. if someone was leaving a rat on, you know, Bob Woodward's, stoop to keep him from looking into someone's finances or whatever you would just be like well that sucks committee to protect journalists to jump right, in right right but for some reason right sexualized violence is it, threats of sexualized violence are just so squeamish making mm -hmm. to men in the media that you know in my case i went to my main employer so not my direct editors who are all women but my main employer and i said you won't believe this and he said 
I didn't really like the piece you wrote. That's not the response. And, yeah. And also I was like, well, here's, cause I didn't have their, their, their uh, metrics at, that Brookings had, but I did have a different one that shows like Ben Shapiro writes about mm. you. This blows mm -hmm. up. I don't know if you've seen these. They're like in the, the way the data viz is like um, fireworks. It's <laughs> oh, like yeah. Megan Kelly. Whoa. Whoa. You know, it's like, I don't, I love the data. The data this gets me out of my head, like nothing else or a chart. I love a good visualization so, of the data. Like I, I can read the numbers, but show me in like a pretty picture, how it's all related and way to my heart. And yeah. And when I saw this, I was like, that's a lot what it feels like. It feels like these like supernovas of explosions all around me. Like, whoa, why are my notifications going crazy? You know, yeah. like, have you ever had that thing where Twitter is like, you're getting a lot of notifications. Yeah. You need to take a nap. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> who's who's retweeted us? Today? Oh, God, help. <laughs> How about a 10-minute meditation? When, yeah. Yeah. When when Jack Dorsey is like, mindfulness works for me in cases like this, you know that like things have gotten bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, I was just really grateful that Brookings did that. It was nice to connect with Taylor over it. And, you know, it's a year later. And what I hope is that, you know, committee of prep journalists to the something to protect we we should i should get these names for show notes purposes but you know they're they're more and more danielle citron has helped with online harassment something to protect to prevent online harassment and the connection of these to right-wing groups because mm -hmm. they were saying both the sexualized violence but a lot of white power stuff yeah that is um in those words and uh you know some of them were written and i got phone calls and I got yeah letters on cards wow. so one of them was like a really nice embossed thank you card and I opened it up and it was thank you for being so stupid right like, it's like, what do you think you are the zodiac killer like relax with your written oh, letters literally. I know tarot card drops out oh my god but also god. like I loved thank you and then thank you for being so stupid you're Just, so like, stupid Whoa. of all the insults I'm stupid okay <laughs> Right. Cut me deep. Oh, stupid. Now you're getting it. <laughs> yeah, that is trauma compounds itself. And I remember my brother calling me stupid, and now I'm flashing back. And yeah. I am stupid. <laughs> and I am stupid. <laughs> anyway, the, yeah, the personal, I mean, I, I also, my first job in journalism in the 90s was for Slate, and Slate had very open comments. And so some of the first comments I ever got were, you know, sexist trolling. And I do feel pretty good about advising other women and non-male writers in this stuff now yeah. and that also feels good it always feels good to like tread it if you go through hell and back to just help the next person because yeah I mean you know and you can we have idols now it's like Kathy Griffin you know people that have had to Eugene Carroll people have had to hire the FBI during this time with Trump like this is like this is domestic terrorism it's meant to destabilize us and the best you can do is not be destabilized. Don't let it defeat your will to speak and don't let it defeat your will to live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Stay true to yourself. Stay true to your beliefs and, and, and say them. Don't let the people who are attacking you, who are saying violent things to you, dissuade you from continuing to say the things that you feel are true and right and just. Yeah. Yeah. Also has nothing to do with you. And I think that's why oh. the data is works so well you know it's right. just like it really is like some explosion out there 
and it's it's really, it only touches you to the degree that yeah. yeah 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 no I it's like it's almost like finally so suddenly they have somebody to pinpoint they have somebody to be angry at because yeah. they've been told yeah. that they're allowed to be angry at this person. And so right. whatever, and I'm not saying it's right by any means, but like whatever is happening internally with these people, it's like, they're finally yeah. given a, a, an outlet to release that by one of yeah. their leaders. And that's what they do. It's, you know, it's that steam pipe valve. Like it just, they open up the gates yes. and it all comes out and right. And it's, you know, that's why, you know, like after, um, I think it was right after Trump was elected when people were like, we need to forget about the flyover states. We need to forget about Ohio. We need to forget about like, these people are dumb oh, yeah. and they're stupid and they don't care. And how could they vote for this man? And I was like, this is the wrong tactic. Like wrong response. that to me was just, yeah. and, and it was coming out of the mouths of people who liberals who I love and trust who were, have been Democrats yeah. for a long time. And I was like, this is not, this does not sit right with me to just completely dismiss yeah people yes i don't I, I don't like that anybody voted for trump but like i but you can disagree with the action but still hold yeah. the, like somebody's humanity as a yeah. key fundamental essence of themselves and when you attack that like that's what i feel like yeah. is is like a, a problem a lot of the times and i think that's a big part of you know the um like online social media gender-based violence that comes in comments and all of that is like yeah there's just the utter disregard for somebody's basic humanity mm -hmm. and yeah I mean it's interesting you know when my adrenaline kicked up because I really do try to be sometimes I think I'm legit legitimately kind of tough and have some equanimity and sometimes I think I'm one of those like beat up street kids who's like it gave me character <laughs> but actually I'm just like scarred and it's probably some of both but right after so just I'm just gonna quote like one of the things which was like you need something like you need to be plowed up the ass or something that was one of the one of the statements and Glenn Greenwald in response to the Brookings piece said you know it's condescending to these women meaning Taylor me that to think that they can't take criticism of their ideas and um, I, you know, I quote tweeted, not always the best thing to do with him and just said, like, you need to be plowed up your ass. It's not exactly the kind of like lively civil discourse that we've wanted to have with Plato. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just, like no, the no, highest no. exercise of free speech. Yeah. And then I was like, what is that rhetorical? What is that debate strategy? Right. You need to be plowed up the ass. Like, you know, just tell me, is that like, is that logos or ethos? Right, right, right. Like, what's the right. little you pathos, know, if you will? Right. Some Socratic <laughs> method that we don't know about yet. Right. Yes. Exactly. No. Socrates no. Right. was plowed you, up you the debating, ass. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you debating galaxy brains. You know, maybe you from debating teens, maybe you can tell me. And actually, interestingly, I looked up what a threat is in Greek, whatever. I couldn't find it. I didn't look very far. But I did find something. This is totally, by the way. But I did find something, there's something where someone like deliberately interrupts themselves with a, th it's kind of a threat that they deliberately interrupt themselves in the middle of it to just hint like the why I oughta, or like, mm. if I got a hold of that guy, but you don't finish. Right, right, right. right. And then like, oh, don't, don't make me, you know, something like that. Yeah. And then you interrupt yourself. That is a Greek thing <laughs> that people used to do. 
But I was like, you know what? I don't think he gets it because he said the whole plow do in the, you know, yeah. he said he didn't stop. He, bu- he so finished he the sentence. The There's a period at the end of that. Mm-hmm. There's a period. It's a complete There's a period at the end. Mm-hmm. It's a complete thought. But, you know, that's the point is like, we are not in the realm of like frank and friendly exchange of views, even an exchange of views. That's like, how could you make this a horrible argument? Your thought thinking is abhorrent. There's almost nothing I can't handle. And but when it goes into actionable threats, where you end up calling the police, which I did in one case, you, you know, yeah, you're not really, this isn't, this is turned into a Gamergate situation where like, nobody's talking about ideas anymore. Right. You know, no, it was funny because I called the, I did call the police because someone had threatened to do this thing in my house and they, they clearly knew where I lived. And you tell the cops about this, you know, it's like, there's this online harassment thing and they could be swatting or whatever. And just to let you know, they don't say, what did you do? Oh, let me read the article. You're a writer. Let me read the article. Oh, I've seen this on Twitter. They say, oh, you're a person who's getting death threats, right. which is a thing that happens in the world. Right. Right. They're not like in the media universe of like, oh, Glenn Greenwald doesn't mean it. You know, yeah. <laughs> they don't care. they're just like, oh, wow. Okay. Let's get you some cops over there so it was like the one the one time in recent memory that i've been like yay police you know yeah they recognize the threat they don't care about the politics so that was a personal experience but mainly i just want to call attention to the good work at brookings and yeah. also these mm-hmm. institutes that yeah. especially protect women and non-men who you know whose speech could be silenced i mean have you two thought of like leaving the business or you know or just felt yourself losing sleep over I um, mean, definitely not leaving the business. We've certainly had, you know, comments and, you know, reviews and stuff over the years that we've been doing this that have not been kind. And, you know, yeah. the only one that was really dark was somebody, we like posted something or tweeted something and somebody replied like, you know, like I'd rather, I forget if they said I'd rather kill myself or kill somebody than listen to an episode of your podcast. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god which one which one right. did you over the episode on the new deal like what <laughs> like, why is this the response but to get something you know because again our our while we do have political views and we do do our episodes with that you know personality and intention we are about civics yeah. education that's our you know mission statement right. And even yeah. us just talking about that, just talking about how the executive branch works, incites anger right. and right. and rhetoric that is like the pinch does not match the ouch, honey. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. why. It, so it's you know, and, yeah. and like various trolls and and a lot of people love to correct us. That's a big thing, you know, or, or say, oh, you didn't talk about this. So you must be stupid um, because you didn't include this in your episode. And it's like, I don't know, maybe we just didn't include that because it, we decided to not include it. You know, it's yeah, a lot of more um, mansplaining uh, of, mm-hmm. ha- of our topics. And yeah. And it's, and it's just, I'm like, we're not asking for, for you to correct, you know, if you don't, if you don't enjoy it, that's fine, but you cannot listen. That's always right. an option. That's, it's it's the gay, right. it's the gay marriage argument. Nobody's asking you to get gay married. It's not for Nobody's you. Asking. It's not for yes. you. Yes. Put it away. It's not for yeah. you. 
<laughs> you don't have to. Nobody's asking you to get an abortion. Nobody's <clears throat> nobody's asking yeah, you no, personally. No. It is just simply it is an option out there for you to yep. use or not use. Same yep. with our show. Yeah. Same with any, you know, same with your show. Same with your writing. It's like you don't have yeah. to – if you're reading it and you're not enjoying it, sort of like anything yeah. else that you don't enjoy, mm-hmm. I stop eating broccoli. You know, I don't want to <laughs> eat broccoli anymore. I don't I don't tell broccoli I'd rather kill myself than eat it more. I'm just like, you know, broccoli yeah. is not for me. I don't seek it out in my life anymore. Right. But yet yeah. that's right. – yeah. Not. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> the course I'm of like, action. I'm really glad. I'm really glad you said mansplaining, by the way, because one is I feel like it's sort of it's like needs revival because Trump didn't like ever explain anything. Sure. You know, so I was like, he was just man. He just manned. Right. Yeah. And um, and so I was at some point I was like, I mean, I like anyone of any gender explaining something to me that they understand that I don't. I mean, I like to learn stuff, right? Like, you know, my partner does like, you know, does woodworking and I wouldn't be like your man, right? Like real mansplaining happens when it's your subject, like you two with this show and someone comes in and tells you some square one thing that you blew past in remedial or, you know, whatever that you know that you don't, whatever. What I'm really glad about with that expression that is that it you know comes out of that great Rebecca Solnick essay, Men Explain Things to Me. And once it was named, it was like a huge relief. Yeah. It was like seeing the Brookings numbers. You know, you were like, oh, that's that thing that's happened yes. to me that has like cost me my authority in these occasions. Yeah. You know, there was a time when I, it was in high school, I think, and I went out to dinner with my mother and this guy said that there was like a melon salad with prosciutto and my mom said hadn't heard him and she said sorry with what and he was like it's a cured italian and my mother was like i know what prosciutto is i know what it is <laughs> right? i know what like, it is i'm you. open to the world you don't don't conceive of me that, that someone who wouldn't know that right yeah. right like please don't i don't want to know right yep. and that is and i you know i was sort of like mansplaining made it clear that you know a lot of the time, if not all the time, that you're getting something explained to you in your own discipline. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to hear it. And it, like, seriously, all these things that, you know, gaslighting gets, that word gets tossed around, but like there are many ways mm-hmm. to that turning the lights on and, you know, having other people, other women post the, you know, Julia Yaffe did this recently, like post, post screenshots of their harassment they get. Mm-hmm. Or seeing it charted by Brookings, all of it is like I'm not making this up. No. It right. happens a lot. It's that that relief that you feel like when you somebody's named the thing. It's the same, you know, like because then it creates a collective. We've all been able to pick it out, right? It's like I forget which judge yeah. it was who was like, I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. You know, like mm-hmm. I, oh yeah, I yeah, can yeah. pick out the mansplaining, but I don't know what it's called. I just I know it when I see it. And then once those things get yeah. named, or there's studies done about them, and and there's yeah. data and evidence and journalism and peer reviewed studies about all of the things, yeah. you know, all, that topic, yes. then it just becomes it becomes just like you're saying, it's concrete, it's real, and the collective experience yeah. that people have shared becomes a yeah. concrete thing that you can talk yeah. about in real time. That's not just about maybe, and it, it takes away this level of like, maybe I'm crazy. Like, do you feel this yeah. thing? Right. I kind of feel totally. this thing. This person was saying this thing to me and it felt weird, but I don't know why. 
once it's named and you get the studies about it, it's like, yeah, it was that thing. Right. Yeah. And you know what? This is like having women in public life, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, making things like that video just to bring things full circle. The video where she talks in a way that for me, a younger friend, female friend might talk, but you know, you all are probably closer to her age, but she just sounds normal. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't sound like Louis Gohmert or whatever. <laughs> like she doesn't sound like these, you know, people whose voices you hear, like, like Donald Trump Jr. Or, you know, I'm sure <laughs> like the Chapo guys or whatever, yeah. where you're like, what planet are you on? You know, AOC obviously is unnerving to lots of people, but to me, she sounds like someone sitting at a seminar table in a college classroom with me, yeah. you know, when I like, right. And you're like, oh, look at that person making sense. Don't we deserve to hear people that make sense to us and speak in our idiom? And, you know, when I'm like, she's in the House of Representatives, she can talk like a normal person and have these experiences. And we're creating this kind of, collective document for women in this country and you know let alone women of color that like ha there's more than one woman of color on governing bodies right who can like instruct us in other ways of seeing things and just chip away at this like one dominant way of speaking that we've all had to take on as our second, third, fourth language mm -hmm. so that you can understand Chuck Grassley when he talks and be like, okay, oh yeah, that's the way an old white guy from Iowa phrases things. Has he been doing that for us all this time? No, <laughs> but now it's just, it's great to see people who, you know, talk like people, you know, you know, absolutely. Yeah about things that are familiar right you know when she's talking about you know it's like i don't think about methane but i do think about how trauma compounds you know right. i do think yeah so yeah i think it's that kind of solidarity that has been really interesting and I, there's a lot of signs of hope i think mm -hmm. in our in our civic life yeah and one of them is just we can't overlook the like pluralism that was brought into our our capital and how well some of those freshmen just survived freshmen mm -hmm. sophomores fresh women sophomores survived after january 6th i yeah. mean they've had a hard go of it yeah and the majority of this country majority of voters decisive majority of voters are completely wise great people like right. we're in a minoritarian you know situation or a situation of an aspiring minoritarian authoritarian government yeah. and so they have a lot of a lot of air most people favor legal abortion most people mm -hmm. favor you know common sense gun laws like it's so we're a little bit hijacked yeah but it's still true that the majority you know is thinking clearly about these things and has a you know a heart roughly in the right place yeah well that's it's interesting to think too like when we did our episode on roe v wade we talked about you know the stages in the the time frame in which you have to have uh, early term abortion and that, you know, partial birth abortion is yeah. outlawed and all these things. And I was like, I don't, I don't think people know some of these things. Like it's just one thing. Like it's, it's abortion mm. is one thing and it's either right. yeah. or killing a baby and there's no gradation and right. people don't really understand. Like there are members of my family who I guarantee you do not understand that partial birth abortion is not a thing. It is not a thing that exists, right. but they think it does. And so because of that, they're anti-abortion because they don't want babies being killed. And it's like, 
yeah. it's that kind of edu- yeah. educational breakdown or um yeah educational breakdown that lizzie and i just really try to like somehow take a crack at in every episode yeah right but it's just it feels so daunting sometimes because you're like i can't how do you even try to get that information across in a way where somebody is like you're lying to me i believe this person over here because i've been Mm. watching them on fox news for five years and i believe them because they're in my home every night i don't believe you yeah you know two millennial-esque women that like you know just because you say so you know it's it's yeah. really it's yeah it's that it's that barrier that I find so difficult did you all see I think it was as far back as 2017 or maybe early 2018 that MIT did study about disinformation and they discovered that people all things being equal people share fiction more than fact mm. not like they just like fiction mm-hmm. like fiction is usually designed to be cooler and more interesting and better structured and you know so like for example they had this thing about trump had um taken a sick boy on his old private plane like just for trump's company or whatever he had and he had taken him to the hospital right or had him taken to the hospital on this plane nobody shared it we've never heard it why didn't they share it because it was true <laughs> there's just something boring yeah about the truth right, right right and so like it wasn't confirmation bias or not or whatever it was just like it falls flat it's not a story right so people prefer fiction to fact and they prefer things that are disgusting mm-hmm. and hyper stimulating yeah. or ra- hyper arousing to things that are kind of dull like i i'm looking at you guys on zoom and i feel like when i was telling my story about you know trump and the plane you guys were both like yeah, can we get this over? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're like, okay, it's right. So even we, you know, at the time I was like reading about QAnon and stuff and I was thinking, oh, how could they believe these, you know, terrible things that are ridiculous? And then I was like, now I'll go back to my TV show, Broad Church, which is like, which is first of all, an amazing show. <laughs> right. Or right. It's, it's such an amazing show. Shout out show, to Broad like Church. <laughs> right. But I mean, it's fiction, labeled right. as fiction, yep. but it contains all kinds of hyper-stimulating stuff. Yep. That we, you know, ideally, and, and, you know, kind of semi-educated or literate mind knows how to handle, like, willing, willing suspension of disbelief. Right. So when you go back to your news, abortion, for example, you don't have to, like, excite yourself with totally fictional stories right. about nine-month abortions that are account as infanticide, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay think about dead babies but put it over here in your sci-fi part of your brain and then when you think about this gynecological procedure recognize that it is not going to be that exciting unfortunately i cannot offer you much excitement in the mucous membranes and endometrial linings of women's uteruses i wish i could i wish i could make this exciting you know when you say oh the government's coming for my guns that would be very exciting and terrible and unconstitutional but here's another thing, which is this, we're just talking about bump stocks and assault rifles and, you know, permits, right? Yep. And that's it. And it doesn't lead to anything more. And it's not exciting. Like, that's why, like, these are like, these are things, you know, critical race theory, just not that exciting. Yeah. It's a really good curriculum. Right. From academia. From academia. Truly from like the most, like, historically, quote unquote, boring place you could find. Yes. You can come from. It's from yes. like... Ivy League Academia, y'all. Right, That's from exactly. a dusty library book. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a race war. No. It's not an exciting race war that you're, you know, and like, I think kind of cooling people off and, and letting them know that, you know, you'll, you, you know, going, go see your sci-fi and your Avengers and your, you know, whatever it is. And just remember that's fiction. That's fine. Right, that's right. great. Read novels. I love watching things with like twisted, weird, perverted people. Same. And then read the news and understand that the news is like maybe the filibuster to be just not to like you guys do everything you can to make it interesting. But as you both know, a lot of times it's actually making it more subtle and more boring. Yes. You know, it's like a, it's like when you're in a traffic jam and, and the, the sitting in the traffic feels so boring and you're like, it's the mundane, the everyday da, 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 da. and you know, ahead there's yeah. like, some horrible crash. You can see it on the GPS yes. and you're just, I want to get past it. I want to get past it. And the moment you get to the crash, everybody's like, what's that? Like, I got to see. Oh yeah. And it could be the most disgusting thing. The most, the saddest picture yes. you've ever seen. But the minute, yes. I mean, I do it. I've, I've driven a number of That's times down to really Yeah. I feel like that is like a political theory that you should just be like, <laughs> And then the traffic law of like, you know, the axiom of the traffic law. of the thing. Critical is, traffic is, theory. This is a think tank now, y'all. There you go. <laughs> we are such a think tank. Yeah. I know. It's like, yeah. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, we are human and seek arousal and hyper arousal mm-hmm. and like, you know, and but being able to recover from it, mm-hmm. yep. you know, which is like the getting your heart rate back not acting on it and believing the characters in your crazy QAnon story are actual people in the world who you should go to to murder and land yourself in jail. Like, just simple. I I do watch a lot of British crime shows with batty British pensioners, my favorite aspirational people trying to solve crimes. And as it happens, I do not try to go and find the killer that I saw on my TV set right and teach him a lesson in person i don't even troll him on twitter I just leave him alone it's so funny when i when i was uh, a, a wee youngin and i was forced to watch a lot of soap operas as a kid because my mom watched them and my aunt watched them so we watched days of our lives and another world and all these things and i remember watching a it was probably like montel williams or something like daytime talk show oh yeah and he had um, oh, by the way had him on my show parenthetically had montel williams oh, nice. on this is critical really interesting guy that's awesome. yeah. circle or circle but he, I, and it might have been him it might have been somebody else i was probably 12 or 13 i can't remember but they whoever it was had members of the cast of days of our lives on the show and it was stunning to me because they were, he asked something like, do people ever come up to you and talk to the, talk to you about the show? And to a person, everybody was like, oh yeah, there are people out there who come up to me and they say, this person is hiding over in like Stefano Demera's house. Like you need to go find them. And their inability to oh. separate their yes. world yeah. was just like, even as a kid, I was like, this is absolutely bananas absolutely bananas so that was do you all remember when and maybe your mother and aunt did this but there, like at the checkout counter there was like national choir and stuff which were like about pseudo news but then also soap opera yes. and soap opera digest would have like are luke and laura gonna get back yeah, together yeah, yeah. or erica kane up to her old yeah, history yeah, or whatever yeah. 
And then, and the thing over here would be like Princess Diana or something. And you were like, Princess Diana and Erica Kane are different, right? Yeah. Isn't Princess Diana like a person whose real name is that? And she wasn't written by someone right. else. But they would start to blur in your mind. And then reality TV really did it. Yeah, they sure like, did. And then you start seeing the Bachelorette people on the cover of Us Weekly and they have their real name, but they're showing up on a TV show and it's totally unclear who you're talking about. Right. Flash to the lead, the host lead of The Apprentice who right. like, what? Right. <laughs> right. Right. I guess we just, and I think, I really do think like in a way I wish Guiding Light and Soap still took attention because then we wouldn't, I think that like sucked up some mm. of our need for disgust and arousal yep. that we, people then parked in, in Fox News. Yeah. And honestly, to a lesser, lesser extent in MSNBC, where mm-hmm. I think we're like, my friends, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely I would have, die for like, Steve Kornacki, personally. But, oh, my, oh my God. God. And he, doesn't he like us back, or does he not care about us? Right. I think he cares more about the numbers. He's, I mean, he's the... And more about and the that's fine. If it's between right. me and the numbers, he should choose the numbers, numbers. always. Yeah. Oh, right. You're right. Because that's what we like about yeah. him. We're just like, he just thinks about numbers. He's noble. Mm-hmm. Noble. He's just a, a noble numbers, numbers guy. guy. And we would go up onto him on the street and say, like, just, we would be mm-hmm. super fans. Of yeah. His, right. Like, yeah. Can you do math right now, please? I'm begging you. <laughs> Such a what's, um, what's the, what's the count yeah. in Miami Dade? I don't care that there's not an election today. What's the count in Miami right. Dade? <laughs> What's Fulton County doing right now? Please zoom in. <laughs> what was it at 1130 p.m. on you know, uh, an election, an election day? Yeah. Yep. He would know. He would, he would know. know. Virginia, this has been so amazing. We were, I mean, such a fun conversation. Thank you for coming on the show. So much fun. It's so, I could talk to you for at least six hours minimum. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's try to do it in person. Yeah. But it's been it's been so amazing. And to our listeners, please listen to This Is Critical. And Virginia, is there anything else that you have going on, um, places where people can go to see your stuff, things you want to plug, et cetera? I write about tech for Wired, and I have a piece coming out on Androids that is super interesting, I think. And um, so that'll be out soon. And I have one on interesting invention that's in the current Wired which you can find online on interesting recent inventions that are not in digital technology, including the greatest glue ever, Tight Bond 3. If you need glue, this thing, it can stand something like four tons. Oh my God. If you need to glue something together, you can slam it with four tons, a couple of cars, and you know, your little wooden thing won't break. I know. So Tight Bond glue, not breaking news, but... You can read about that yeah. in Wired right now with my name on it. And otherwise, I would love it if you guys yeah. think this is critical. If any listener wants to check it out, I really think it will fit with the themes of this show. Yes. And we will link to This is Critical in our uh, episode description. So please go check that out. And in the meantime, to our Sweet Seat listeners, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, subscribe. Go listen to This Is Critical. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Thank you so much, Virginia. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.